When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Digest Daily. I'm your host, Connor Bromley, and today we are joined by Ned Keating and Aaron Stokes. And after two long weeks of international football, which personally, not a big fan of the internationals, especially when England are playing two pretty pointless games, we get the fun of the Premier League and there is only one place to start, Aaron. Well, maybe not for you. You probably want to talk about Eddie Howe. He is on the agenda, but a little bit later on. But we're going to start with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer reports yesterday that he is, uh, well, going to be sacked at some stage, but yet is still in charge at Man United. Never understand when clubs kind of leak that a manager is going to go and then let them take charge of games. This weekend, Watford, it's a game that Man United should win, a game that I think everyone will have on their accumulators as a, as a banker. But what do you think happens if they don't win this weekend against Watford? Will that be it for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer? I mean, you, you'd think so. You know, Manchester United have done very well so far. Trying, you know, deflect the the um, trying to deflect the attention away from Oli. I mean, we all thought he would go after the five 0 Liverpool. We all thought he would go after the two 0 Man City, and he just seems to sort of cling on every week. You know, despite the fact that the performances and the results just aren't where they should be. You know, part of me thinks are oh, United just trying to you know hold out until the end of the season. You know, we they have made mistakes in the past where you know they've sacked managers maybe a bit too early. Um, and you know, as Gary Neville likes to tell us, you know, they are trying to sort of move away from that. But I think a defeat this weekend, I mean, they're sixth in the table now. If results go a certain way this weekend, they could be eight points outside the top four. I mean, well, you know, we're not even in December yet. So you'd have to think if that was the case and they lost again this weekend, then you know, you you probably can't say we're back from them, you know, after that. Yeah, it could be a point where Man United are closer to the bottom three than what they are the top four this weekend. The results go a certain way, which is quite a mad thought. Uh, Ned, do you think that a win is enough to keep Oli in his position, to keep him, well, as Aaron said, kind of clinging on to that job? I, I think we're in that weird place where it's back to, to 2018, again, December 2018, where we're almost viewing him as like the caretaker manager and looking after this job until the end of the season. Um, it, it's strange that we come to the end of the international window and Man United, there's all these rumours about them looking at sacking Solskjaer, getting rid of him. And you're kind of starting to think, well, if they really didn't see a future with him, if they really didn't think that he was the man to take him forward, they've had the perfect chance. They've had the best chance to get rid of him and they won't have a chance again until March to have, you know, two weeks to, to get rid of him, get their replacement in and get him sort of not fully up to speed, but at least on the training ground with a few of the players and working stuff through. You know, if they were to if they were to lose this weekend to Watford um and and they were to get rid of Solskjaer then the new manager there's there's no time to get him in before the next game in the Champions League next week. Then you know it's it's relentless between now and 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 March because obviously we've got all the, the Premier League fixtures over the winter period as well. We've got the FA Cup coming back in. Um they, if they are actually being that seriously thinking about getting rid of Solskjaer, they, 
you know, this is this is typical Man United the way that they've been run over the last few years. Like they kind of a misstep at every single opportunity, missing good opportunities and, and poorly run. And and this just highlights it. If they are honestly thinking about getting rid of him, they should have done it over the international window. I don't think, you know, we're three years into Solskjaer's reign now. I think we can all safely sit here on this podcast and say that he isn't going to be the man to take Man United back to the top of the Premier League. You know, you look at you look at the three top class managers that the other title rivals have, you know, in Chelsea, in Liverpool, in Man City. Man United don't have that. There are options out there. They missed Antonio Conte, much to my delight as a Spurs fan. The fact that, I don't know, maybe we were playing check and chesses with um, chess and checkers with that one about letting us lose and, and whatnot. Maybe I'm just being a bit too optimistic there. But they missed out on Conte. Zinedine Zidane is still available. He's the last probably world-class manager that is available at the minute that, that they won't have to pay stupid sums of money to go and get in terms of compensation. But they could easily lose out on him very quickly as well because it is a fast-moving market. There might be other managers that go and other jobs that become available that Zidane might like between now and then. Um, so, yeah, so this whole situation just sums up how poorly run Manchester United are, really. Um, you know, and I, and I don't think that, yeah, if they do win, you know, it does keep Solskjaer in the position, but we're still going to be sat here probably this time next week saying, oh, do they need a win again against such and such for Solskjaer to keep his job again? And, and it's just going to rinse and repeat between now and the end of the season. Do you think, Aaron, that Ed Woodward's position, because, I mean, he's he's leaving Man United, I think, by the end of the year. Do you think that's causing an issue whereby you don't want the person who's leaving to make that managerial change and do that search? Because, you know, it, it's a process, especially when you're a club like Man United. It's not like Norwich who just brought in Dean Smith within a week and just went, yeah, OK. You know, he, he just came on the market and they're like, yeah, we want him. Man United's manager isn't going to be as simple a recruitment process. Do you think that's playing into this, the fact that, Woodward and the owners were not expecting to be in this position to make a change at this point? Yeah, I think 100%. I think it's been spoke about, in especially in the last couple of months, that I don't think Ed Woodward wants his last decision at Old Trafford to be to sack another manager. Especially not Solskjaer, who has, you know, been very loyal to them. He's been very loyal to the owners. Um, you know, I think if you look at the past, you know, Mourinho and stuff like that, they were very outspoken. They didn't really mind having a go at the owners. Whereas there's probably times Ollie in the last three years has wanted to have a bit of a pop and he hasn't. It's just the type of person he is. So I definitely do think Woodward's departure is probably affecting it. Um, also the fact that they still haven't got, you know, sort of a technical director, director of football in there is also a bit of a is a bit of a confusing one because, you know, for years you've had Woodward making these decisions, these footballing decisions, when really he's a businessman. And if you think, you know, there's been talk of, you know, Ralph Ranick and all that from Germany. And you think if he'd came in or someone like that had came in a couple of years ago, we, the, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. As Ned touched on there, United have just been such a poorly run club, you know, probably since Fergie left, really. Um, and I think, you know, at every turn, they've just, they've, they've messed up. And I think this is just another example of if they were a properly run football club, you know, there wouldn't even be a talk about Solskjaer going because he probably wouldn't be here in the first place. So, I think that it, I think it does. I think the Woodward thing is is a big factor, and it it is interesting that you know if Solskjaer does manage to cling on, and Woodward goes, it is it would be interesting to see how long Ollie lasts. You know, once the sort of new regime and you know the new sort of board members are in place. Guess not very long. We'll jump now to Liverpool Arsenal. A win for Arsenal would move them ahead of Liverpool in the table, which is Ned a. a almost baffling considering where we were sat here in August thinking that Arsenal were this crumbling mess that might be finishing 12th. Now it looks, you know, they're the, probably the form team in the league at the minute and 
I think it's is it time to reassess the job that Miguel Arteta is doing there? Do you know what? I, we were discussing this on uh, our main football digest show yesterday. Yesterday, with our um, you know reports from the national papers, and and I I sorted the running order for that, and I put in the question about whether or not you know she said there whether or not we need to assess, reassess how how Arteta is doing this season. And Matt Dunn came up with a good point. If you look at the fixtures that Arsenal have actually had, that might be kind of glossing over how they've done you know so obviously they had those first three games of the season and it was a nightmare um you know there's nothing really more to describe about it but then they came back you know beat a Burnley side that pretty much everyone else has beaten this season beat a Norwich side who couldn't knock Snyder off a rope until they went and faced Brentford the other week um a fortunate game against uh, you know unfortunate Spurs side who just didn't turn up I don't know where we were that day but we definitely weren't in North London um the results against Brighton and Crystal Palace um, you know, they were fortunate, definitely fortunate to get a point against Crystal Palace. But but those are the kind of games that, you know, showed that at least they're behind the manager and that they did battle on until the end. So in one respect, yes, when you look at the table and you kind of see how far Arsenal have gone and what Arteta's done and, and, and where he's taken and you kind of go, wow, he's he's actually turned things around. And, and they're only six points off top now when, you know, they've kind of almost slowly gone underneath the radar a little bit. And you're kind of thinking, you know, maybe they might be back in the top four conversation. But this is going to be the real acid test for them, I think, this weekend to really see how far they have come. Because, you know, they, those two games against Chelsea and Man City uh, at, at the start of the season, they looked a million miles off it. And actually, I think we probably all sat there at the end of August and thought this is going to be a long, hard, difficult season for Arsenal. They go up against now the team that we consider is the third title candidate. You know, Liverpool have dropped off a little bit in the last couple of weeks, dropping points against Brighton and West Ham. Um, but you'd still like to think that Liverpool are probably more likely to put a title charge together than, than the rest of the other Premier League teams, apart from City and Chelsea. So this is going to be a real test for Arsenal. This is going to be where we really see what they are made of, whether or not Arteta has actually turned things around or whether or not he was just benefiting, uh, benefiting sorry, from a fortunate fixture list. Do you think, Aaron, that Liverpool have, you know, there was talk at the start of the season that they'd refound that form of sort of 2018 to 2020, where they, they pretty much didn't lose a game for two years. The loss last time out against West Ham, obviously a difficult fixture. Ned mentioned there the drop points against uh, Brighton as well. Do you think that they aren't quite the team they were at the peak of the Jurgen Klopp era at Liverpool? I think that's fair to say. Um, obviously, they, you know, it, they were electric that season, and I think, you know, for them to repeat that, you know, two three years down the line, especially after what they had last season, it was always going to be difficult. You know, is there a bit of a hangover from last season? Obviously, Van Dijk's been back a while now, but they're still, you know, Joe Gomez isn't really back full fit. Canard is still getting sort of, you know, bled into the team. Robertson's been in and out. Um, so, yeah, maybe is there just that little bit of a hangover? Have they just not got their momentum, you know, that they had for that, you know, title-winning season, maybe? It is a bit of a worry. I mean, obviously, you had last week, you had West Ham, Brighton a couple of weeks earlier, they shipped two, you know, Brentford away, it was a 3-3 draw. You know, that title-winning season, you know, they were so solid at the back, Van Dyke, you know, couldn't just could not be beaten. Um, So it would be a worry, for me, I think the one thing you can look at is, you know, I was looking at the fixtures that they've had before I came on air and, you know, they've put five past United, they've put five past Watford, they've put three past Atletico away, they've put three past Palace, three past Brentford. So do they really need to be at their best going, at, you know, at the back? Probably not, to be honest, because Salah's in such good form. Yotar and Marnie are in such good form. Trent is, you know, just... He's basically a right winger these days, you know, with the crosses that he's putting in. So 
they're probably not at their best, but I mean, as I said at the start, you know, it, it was an it would be an amazing feat if they could repeat that title winning season. So I wouldn't be too worried that they're not quite at that level. But yeah, you know, I, I still think you know, come May they'll they'll be bang there, you know, if not top of the table. Yeah, I mean, you look at the statistics, you know, Chelsea conceded four, Man City conceded six, Liverpool conceded 11 in 11. It's a, it's one a game, which is, you know, I don't think normally you see teams win titles, Ned, when they concede one goal every game. I mean, obviously to have a plus 20 goal difference is, is impressive at this stage, but it is concerning that Liverpool do seem to be a little bit leaky. Yeah, and it and it puts extra pressure. Like I know Aaron touched it there, and obviously their their attacking prowess is brilliant. And they are, you know, when they do smash teams, they are smashing teams, you know, and they are getting multiple goals in the game. But it, it puts pressure on them. They know, they almost know already that they have to score two goals every game at least to win it because they are conceding so many at the back. Um, and as the season goes on, and especially when we get into January, when they are going to be missing Salah and Mane because of their commitments in the in the African Cup of Nations. You know, it is going to affect teams across the Premier League, but I think more so perhaps Liverpool this season, the way that they're having to play, their reliance on their attacking play. Um, when when those two are taken out of the squad, you know, it's not just one. Like, they would have missed just one, but the fact that they're taking out both of them, their two probably biggest attacking assets, um, they're doing all right now and they're coping well now, but, but if they're still shipping at least one goal a game in the Premier League when we get into January and they're not there might not be uh, the happiest of starts of the new year for Jurgen Klopp's boys. How do you see the game playing out, Aaron? Do you think that, you know, I mean, Arsenal lost 5-0 away at Man City earlier in the season. Chelsea embarrassed them at the Emirates as well. How do you see it playing out? Do you think that they've got a chance of, of getting something or do you think that Liverpool, with their attacking abilities, will, will just have too much? Yeah, I, I don't think they've got any chance of getting anything, to be honest. I just think, as Ned touched on, I think they might have been flattered a little bit by their recent fixture list. Um, you know, obviously Arteta was struggling and I think a couple of games more, you know, without a win and he would have probably been out of job. That was, you know, such as what it was like at the start of the season from, but they just had a very easy run of fixtures. And I think that now, as I say, when they're going back to the big boys, I just can't really see them having a chance against Liverpool. I think, especially the fact that it's at Anfield, you know, Liverpool just don't, they just don't lose games at Anfield, especially not against the big boys. Um, and yeah, I just think if you look at the two teams with the format Salah's in, you know, I just I just I just can't say anything other than a Liverpool win, I don't think. Okay, we'll jump now to Eddie Howe. So the Eddie Howe era is beginning at St James's Park. I suppose this is really the beginning of the, the new ownership at Newcastle United as well, after sort of a, a transitional month where I think they've maybe scored a couple of own goals that they weren't expecting to score. Uh Ned Perfect game to start. Brentford, bad form at home at St James's Park. Should be a big crowd, big atmosphere. All the typical things you would associate with a, a, a raucous Newcastle crowd. Do you think that you know, this is the perfect chance for Eddie Howe to really start the season for Newcastle? Oh, I think so, yeah. Um, and it's more to do with the fact that it's at home. Probably the opposition doesn't matter too much because there's a good chance to for him to get the home fans right behind him early doors, you know, a good performance tomorrow, hopefully a victory as well. That will really, really get them on side, kind of really get them believing. Um, and, I'm, and I'm sure Aaron's going to touch on it more in a second, but as long as he's more attacking than Steve Bruce and shows a little bit of intent going forward, I think Newcastle fans will, will appreciate that, even if it might not be the win that they get tomorrow, even if it's just a draw instead, you know, as long as, as long as it looks like the shackles might've been taken off somewhat, I think Newcastle fans will be happy. Um, 
you know, and 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 if Eddie Howe can get them on side very quickly, because again, I'm sure Anne's going to touch on this. Steve Bruce lost the fans very quickly. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> I think almost from day one, there, there were probably sections that weren't too happy with him taking the job, and and it didn't really go right from there. So if Eddie Howe can get the home support behind him, we know what St James's can be like, and and we know how much of a fortress that can kind of hopefully become for Newcastle in in terms of kind of keeping them up in the Premier League this season. Do you think what would a win do for the season, Aaron? Because if you think about what a defeat would mean, and, and a defeat I think would you know put a lot of people thinking that oh well this is going to be a far harder job than you would have thought. You know Brentford lost four in a row coming into this game, probably the the most out of form team in the league other than Aston Villa. What would a win do? But also what would a defeat do for Newcastle? Look, I mean it is you you want to say that the pressure's off tomorrow because it's Howe's first game and you know he's just gonna you know he's getting the welcome and it's at home and it's you know like you say the new era for the takeover but in in real hard facts it's a must-win game you know Newcastle are winless so far this season you know I think it's only them and Norwich who haven't won yet um no, no, they're Norwich already now <laughs> oh, exit well there you go so it's just Newcastle um so yeah, so I mean, literally five points away, you know, from from safety already. No wins. Um, it's huge. So I think you know, a defeat, uh, as as Ned said, you know, a draw, you know, you'd probably take, you know, as long as the shackles are off a bit. But a defeat is would be pretty catastrophic. To be fair, it's not this, you know, sort of the new manager bounce that you want. Um, but you know, Newcastle, it's not as if you know they haven't had easy fixtures so far this season. You know, they've had Leeds, they've had Southampton, they've had Villa, they've had Watford, they've had Wolves. You know, they've had winnable games, um, and they just haven't been able to take their chances. So, you know, Brentford, you know, they're coming here for defeats on the bounce. You know, I've been speaking to people around the city and you know on social media, and it's just the atmosphere already is just people just can't wait for Saturday. You know, see his first team sheet, see what, you know, lineup and formation he's going to play, see how it's going to be. You know, there'll be a big flag display in the Gallagher end before it. It will be an amazing day, but, you know, it is a, it's a must-win game for Newcastle because it's it, it's really starting to, you know, look a bit. The gaps is winding in down there. Do you think, Ned, you know, how said in his press conference that, you know, Newcastle needs to stop shipping goals. And if you look at it, you know, consider 24 goals this season, second most in the league, you know, that's the air. Considering how defensive the football was under Steve Bruce and Graham Jones, it, it seems mind-boggling that they have such a poor defence. Do you think that the answer to that is is actually the attacking is a little bit more of a defence? Because Newcastle have just been, every time I watch them, they're so deep in, in just allowing the pressure and wave after wave, last-ditch defending. As though every game they're defending the last 10 minutes of a 1-0 lead against Man City. That's how it feels like they're playing all the time. Do you think that the, the, the best form of defence for how? And when he said in his press conference they need to focus on stop stopping the ship goals is actually allowing themselves to play in the other half of the pitch. Yeah, 90% you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, there's, there's a good way to stop the opposition scoring goals and that's by making sure that they don't have the ball and you're keeping it yourself. You know, as you said there, if you're so deep and you're just letting them come on to you um, and, you know, you've got such a low percentage of possession... And funnily enough, you are going to give away more chances and that's going to lead to more goals. That's the reason why Newcastle were probably shipping so many goals was because there was no, they didn't want to get on the ball under Steve Bruce, really. You know, the idea was like, we'll shut up shop, but there wasn't kind of any attacking thought. And it's, it sounds weird, doesn't it? That, that to kind of, to unleash the shackles is the way to stop conceding goals. But, but that's how you do it because then you kind of, you make the opposition sit back a little bit further because you push them back and they have to start thinking so they're not coming on to you as much. Um, so, yeah, so on the face of it, it does sound like a little bit weird. Oh, the way that we're going to stop shipping goals is by going more attacking. But it does work. And 
And I'm sure, you know, there are going to be bumps in the road for Newcastle this season. It isn't going to be plain sailing. And I, I know Aaron fully understands that, you know, even, even in the most serene of seasons for Newcastle, you know, they're, they're still kind of, it's up and down like a roller coaster. Um, but if Eddie Howe can get them firing, there is a basis of a good squad there. And especially in attack, you know, so Maximan and Callum Wilson, if he can keep them fit for the majority of the rest of the season, um, you know, Newcastle have the ability and they even have the players behind them like Almiron as well. If you can find a way to unlock him, really get him playing the balls in for the likes of Wilson and, and Sam Maximan, then yes, they have the attacking players there to be able to cause opposition teams problems, which would then allow them to press forward and, and stop being so defensive and, and, and allow an opposition teams to come onto them as well. Do you think, Aaron, that this is the right appointment for Newcastle? And the, and the reason why I ask this question is... You know, how did take Bournemouth down? And Bournemouth had a very good squad at the time. And I think a lot of people felt that they were probably, I know it sounds silly because it's Bournemouth, but almost too good to go down that year. You know, a lot of big players, Callum Wilson, you know, being, you know, the main point of that attack. There was also a little bit on social media of trepidation about the appointment. I think people were excited about Unai Emery and it felt like that was the appointment that Newcastle fans really, really wanted. Do you think there is a section of that Newcastle support that are, doubting this appointment, especially with all the optimism that came with the takeover and the thought that we're going to get a Conte or an Emery. That was the feeling that I certainly felt that the fans felt was possible. Do you think Eddie Howe is a bit of a, a letdown to certain sections of the fan base? If I'm being completely honest, when obviously it did happen very quickly in the sense that I think on the Monday, Emery was, you know, a in and he was going to be announced blah, 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 to, you know, roll on the Friday and Howe was getting announced. And I did sort of think to myself and say to people, are people going to be a bit disappointed that we've sort of jumped from a Europa League winning Champions League manager to someone who took Bournemouth down? But if I'm honest, I, I generally don't think that fans think that. Um, you know, from what I've seen, you know, the reaction to how has been very positive. Um, you know, the sort of clips that have been releasing them on social media of him in training, he looks good, you know, and I think, you know, with how many days off Newcastle have had and, you know, sort of under Steve Bruce and the quality of training, I think it's just good to see a coach back on the training pitch and actually, you know, being a manager. Um, so, look, I think I think it's a good appointment. You know, people will obviously point to stuff like Bournemouth going down under how, you know, he signed X amount, you know, he signed Jordan Ibe and, you know, Dominic Solanke for X amount of money. There is, you know, sort of slight concerns, but I think on the whole good attacking football, he's a good coach, he knows a lot of these players, you know, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, Matt Ritchie, we've all spoken very, very highly of them um, in their past jobs, so look, I think it's an exciting appointment, it's not without risks, um, you know, I can't sit here and say that I, you know, I, I would prefer Eddie Howe or you know, Henry, but I can't, but I think under the circumstances, it's a good stopgap for a couple of seasons, I think, He's more than capable of keeping Newcastle up, settling them as a mid-table squad again, trying to build. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens in a couple of years. But I think it's a good appointment. Um, but he's, he's got a huge task in his hands to keep them up because it's it's not going to be easy. OK, well, we'll jump now. We'll whiz round the other games of the Premier League this weekend. Start with Leicester against Chelsea. Ned Leicester off the pace. Um, you know, Brendan Rodgers linked with the Man United job, but in reality, Leicester are 12th in the Premier League and not had a good start to the season. Chelsea, on the other hand, dropped points last two weeks, well, two weeks ago against Burnley, played quite well in the game by all 
um, accounts, but you know, weren't ruthless enough. How do you see this one playing out? You know what? I'm glad you came to me on this one because I had a, a strange. We're going to delve into my strange dreams that I had on Thursday night for this one. Um, I had a bizarre dream that Leicester won the FA Cup for a second time uh, in November. Don't ask why it was in November. Um, but of course, we remember back to May and this was the fixture that was the FA Cup final, wasn't it? Leicester against Chelsea. So I don't know whether or not my mind was being Mystic Meg and I'm predicting a Leicester win this weekend or not. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I think you're right in saying that Leicester have been off the pace this year. And I don't know. I think it's almost like Man United. You don't know what Leicester's going to turn up. I mean, of, of late, obviously, for Man United, we know the wrong one's going to turn up and it's not going to be great. But but Leicester had a good win against Man United a couple of weeks back, you know. Um, and this is... You know, of course, the caveat that Man United aren't that great at the minute. But, you know, they, they went out and they beat Man City in the Community Shield in, in August. So this isn't a bad team. You know, there's still there's still a decent squad somewhere in there. For whatever reason, it's just not clicked for them at the start of the campaign. Um, Chelsea, I think that was a little bit of a blip against Burnley. I think, you know, I, I think probably the fact that they had a few injuries and they were carrying the squad a little bit, I think that probably told. They've got potentially I think Lukaku might be back this weekend is what I've been seeing at least or he might be fit enough for the bench anyway that'd be a big boost for him but Kai Havertz has done a, a decent job um in in that role in between um you do wonder whether or not Leicester um and the antics that they they had after that FA Cup final win is, is still affecting Chelsea obviously they played in the league a few days after that and you could see how much it meant to Chelsea because I think that pretty much guaranteed their place in the Champions League over Leicester um but you wonder whether or not there might still be a few sour notes running through. Obviously, Daniel Amate, I know he's been at the centre of controversy already this week for international football and, and for diving in the penalty box to win Ghana a penalty against South Africa in a qualifier. Um, but again, obviously, Chelsea fans will remember the fact that he was the one that threw the pennant on the floor after the cup final win. So you wonder whether or not it might be a little bit feisty and a little bit tasty um, going into it this weekend, hopefully, because then that'd be a class game, to, to a class way to, to return to the Premier League as well. Uh, Aaron Burnley against Palace, more your end of the table. <laughs> Burnley, bottom three, uh, must win game for them. Crystal Palace won the last two games, look good at the minute. Pat Vieira wobbled at the start of the year, but they seem to be looking like a pretty solid mid-table side. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, you know there was a, a few eyebrows raised when Vieira came in, you know, fantastic footballer, but, you know, his managerial career has just failed to take off. You know, he's had stints in France and America and, you just thought, you know, replacing such a safe pair of hands as Roy Hodgson with, you know, sort of an unknown quantity was going to be a bit of a gamble. But, you know, so far so good. You know, he's he's clearly got a very, you know, attacking-minded game. He, he likes to, you know, sort of lead the youngsters in, which is, you know, what Palace fans want to see. So, yeah, they've been fantastic so far this season. You know, a bit of a surprise package. Uh, so long may it continue. You know, as for Burnley, you know, relegation zone, I think, you know, we've got one win in 11 so far this season. Um, so you know they are they are sort of desperate, but you know they have drawn five of those games, so you know it, it, they can sort of get a result. And you'd like to think that you know Sean Dyche will you know will fancy them to try and get something you know against a team that on paper you know isn't isn't too much better than them. So I think it'll probably be quite a tight game. You know, not much in it. I think on current form, you'd have to probably fancy Palace to try and to just try and nick it. Yeah, bread and butter for Burnley, that Palace at home. Villa Brighton, Ned, Stephen Gerrard's first game, you know, and I think this is an interesting appointment for, for Aston Villa because I think when you're managing Rangers, you, the expectation is you win every game and you're used to be having the best players in the league. You go to Aston Villa and 
you have a mid-table squad, and it's going to be difficult to dominate games in the way that you would at Rangers in the SPL. What can we expect from him? What do you think you can expect from this game with two teams that are out of form? It's um, it's a, it's a tough first job in the Premier League for him um, because there's going to be the expectation there that with the owners that they have who are slightly wealthier than most in the Premier League and the squad that they've actually got. Um, you know, obviously a lot of the money came from to, to reinvest in the squad came from the sale of Jack Grealish to Man City and they haven't gelled yet, but they've still got good players like Leon Bailey, like Danny Ings. Um, you know, Gareth Southgate still seems to love Tyrone Mings, whether or not his club form has been that good this season is still obviously up for debate. Um, there's a good squad there, but Gerard's got to unlock it quickly because they are hovering dangerously above that, that drop zone. You look at the other teams, you know, Newcastle have gone out and got a new manager as well. Norwich, likewise. Are they going to be the appointments that kind of work for them and, and keep them up? You know, like Aston Villa need this to turn around very quickly for Steven Gerrard. There's going to be a lot of eyes, a lot of pressure on him because it didn't work out for Frank Lampard in the Premier League. And, and we all thought that he was going to be the next great, you know, not great, but next decent English manager. And, and obviously that didn't turn out too well. Um, so, yeah, so Gerrard's got the pressure of, of keeping Aston Villa up, the pressure of keeping this idea that he's a good young manager going as well. Um and obviously the pressure of, of the interest, the media interest that is going to be there looking at him as one of England's you know, best players in the last 20 years, now turning his hand to management, getting his first job in the Premier League. So there's going to be a lot of, of pressure from all angles on him. Um, and it's a tough first game against Brighton as well this weekend. You know, Graham Potter's done a fantastic job so far this season um, and, and obviously took points off Gerard's beloved Liverpool a couple of weeks back as well. So it's not, it's not going to be an easy game. Um I, I, I just wonder whether or not maybe he's, he's bitten off more than he, he can chew by taking this job on at this stage in his career and at this stage of the season as well. It, it, I hope it works out for him, but you just don't know. Yeah, I would say that Villa have a good enough team, so he should be able to keep him up this year. And I think that's the only expectation for them this season. Wolves against West Ham. West Ham, Aaron, are they the real deal? I mean, the you know three points off the top of the Premier League. They've beaten Liverpool last week. They certainly look like the real deal on a week-to-week basis, but are they good enough to, and I say contend, it sounds silly to say contend for the title, but there they are. They're in there. If we're saying Liverpool are contenders, they're a point ahead of them. So what do you make of West Ham? Yeah, look, they've been fantastic this season. Would I say their title contenders? Probably not, I think, purely because, you know, we know how, you know, tiring these European campaigns can be on squads that aren't very big. Um, and I think that's, you know, if you can say one thing about West Ham is that their squad is quite fed, like threadbare, you know, after the first 11, especially in attack. So, look, I mean, it's been fantastic so far this season. Mikel Antonio has done an amazing job uh, leading the line. You know, they've got a sort of four attacking midfielders who have been fantastic in. Fornals, Ben Rama, Bowen, you know, Lanzini. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, Connor, you'll obviously be familiar with David Moyes and you know what you know sort of turnaround he's uh he's done there you know he's really sort of revived his career um after you know a couple of very sort of below average jobs so look you know long may it continue I'd I'd love to see them you know make the top six um you know have a decent run in Europe I'd just be sort of wary that you know if the bubble does burst you know and it probably is going to be those Thursday away games in Europe Traveling back and playing on a Sunday with a you know a squad that that isn't too big. So look, if they can sign a couple of players in January, um, if they can keep you know some key players fit, especially like Declan Rice and Antonio, and then I think you know they could they could definitely challenge for Europe again this season. 
But look, Wolves are Wolves are fantastic too. I know they lost the last game before the international break, but I think before that they'd won three out of four. So, you know, the job that Large is doing after coming in, you know, you know they are doing well. You know, they're, they're in the top half of the table. So it'll be an exciting game, but I don't think you'd, you'd bet against West Ham in their current form, especially after Liverpool last week. Norwich, Southampton, Ned Norwich won last time out after a pretty awful start the season. New manager as well. It's a perfect chance to get two in a row against a, a steady Southampton team. A Southampton team that's won three of the last four, but a Southampton team that Norwich fans will probably look at and say, if we're going to win games, this is one that we should win. I'm, uh, I'm going to continue my role as the merchant of misery uh, today and, and question whether or not this Norwich squad are actually going to play for Dean Smith. Um, you know, so they were so used to, to playing under Daniel Farker and and they were so, you know, together for him. I know obviously it didn't work in the Premier League this season, but you can't say they were against him by the fact that they went down last season and then came back up after smashing the championship. They were still playing for him. You know, this squad were all brought in by him pretty much. There was there hasn't been too much change as well to the squad as well, which means that that this is Daniel Farker's squad still. So these players are his players. And and you wonder what that whole idea of sacking him after a win is going to do to this squad. Dean Smith has got a, a bit of a job on his hands, you know, not only because they are bottom and they have looked poor for much of the season, but also the fact that he's now got to get these players to believe in his way and his style of play and and, and move them forward as well. Um, yeah, it, I, new manager bounce, I don't know so much if I believe in that one because I think of the fact of, the, of how this manager has been appointed, how this whole situation has unfolded. Had they not won, had they still, you know, had they been beaten by Brentford last time out, I think then, yeah, you could probably say that a new manager bounce might have been likely, but I'm just not so sure this time, having won their last game and then sacking the manager, what, it, what that message then sends to their squad. Man City against Everton. Aaron City lost last time at home um, against Crystal Palace. Everton struggling themselves have really come off the boil after a pretty good start of the season under Rafael Benitez. How do you see this one playing out? A, a routine Manchester City win, or do you think Everton can can put up some form of resistance? Um, you know, I've watched a Rafa Benitez side play Man City many times, and it doesn't usually end well. Um, it'll be Everton camped in, in their own half with very, very little possession. Um, just sort of hoping that, you know, they, they can stop City breaking down the door. So yeah, no, I think it will be probably a routine win for City. There's just a little there's just a little niggling thing I've got about City this season that, you know, like you say, they lost last time out against Palace, who are proven to be a bit of a bogey team for them at the Etihad. But you know, there was a game earlier this season against Southampton where they drew at home and I just think there was also a game against Burnley where they won 2-0. And I just think they're just, sometimes they're just not on their game this season. And you just, it goes back to that question that, you know, Pep hates being asked, but are they sort of missing a striker? Um, and I just think that he doesn't know his best 11 yet. I think there's so much chopping and changing that they could always sort of fall foul of, you know, a game where they're just not on it because, they, like you say, the players just sort of, chop and change every week um, but I mean that being said I, I do think there will be Everton like we said Benitez you know had a great start but they have sort of fallen off the boil a little bit and as I mentioned you know they won't have much of the ball and I don't think they'll be able to um, I don't think they'll be able to keep City out especially not for a full 90 minutes so yeah I think it'll be a routine win for City and they can, they can get back on track get back on form Last game to review of the weekend falls to you, Ned, and it's your team, Spurs against Leeds. Antonio Conte's first home game, Leeds 
playing, I would say, pretty well. Every time I watch them, they seem to, to look um, pretty decent. But in relegation trouble, it does feel like the Bielsa bubble isn't quite as well-formed as it was previously. This is a tough game, though, for Spurs, because this is a very unique style of play from Leeds. Uh, I think, you know, they're always very high-pressure, high-energy. Um, it certainly won't be an easy or comfortable afternoon, I don't think, for Tottenham. Um, I don't know whether or not I'd agree with that because of the way that Leeds have been so far this season. I don't think that they've been anywhere near that in energetic style that they, they did last year. And I think everyone's worked out a way uh, to play against them. The only issue is, is obviously Antonio Conte didn't play against them last year, so he's not sure how to combat it, potentially. Um, I'd also like to be the pedant that points out that this is not his first home game. Thank you very much. It is his first home league game, that thrilling game against Vitesse in the Europa League, where he won 3-2 and nearly threw that away. Victory from the jaws of defeat, or defeat from the jaws of victory, even there. Um, the proper Tottenham way, that is, isn't it? Um, I'd just take a shot on target this weekend i'll be brutally honest you know as long as we spoke earlier about newcastle and kind of them taking off the shackles i've forgotten what it looks like for spurs to actually test the opposition goalkeeper um thankfully harry kane is showing he, he he still knows where the net is i know that was against under nines and under tens in international football in midweek um but at least he still knows where the net is and and the finishes as well uh the 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 hat-trick goal, I think, against Albania uh, and also the, the close control that he showed against San Marino for his fourth goal. You know, those are the signs that, yes, it hasn't clicked for him for Spurs so far this season, but those are the signs of, of, of a world-class player who still knows where the back of the net is. You know, the composure that he showed for that fourth goal against San Marino and the technique that he showed for that third goal against Albania. Hopefully, hopefully he gets an opportunity and some sort of ball into him for him to allow him to, to kind of showcase that ability uh, again this weekend. Um, there is going to be big pressure on Conte as well, isn't there? Because, you know, Spurs fans are now expecting this whole... I, I, I think we forgave him for that game against Everton because it was so quick. Um, and yes, half the squad has been gallivanting around the world in qualifiers. But there's this idea now that because he's had time to work the players on the pitch that we should understand and, and, and see a way of how we play now. So there is going to be pressure on us this weekend from the home support to, you know, it, it has to be a win really quite quite frankly um to to really try and kick on hopefully Kane gets a goal and, and hopefully we can start looking like a cohesive attacking unit once again rather than last few months where we just don't seem to understand what the idea of football is yeah nine goals this season the lowest no second lowest in the league after Norwich City it's mad considering I, the I, I thought after the first three games of the season we were just going to win them all 1-0 and just have a plus 38 goal <laughs> difference but you know what do I know yeah no nothing <laughs> Um, that's a good way to wrap up as well. Just destroying Ned and criticising his football knowledge. So thanks, Ned, for coming along and sharing your pills of wisdom. Aaron, always a pleasure talking to you as well. And hopefully your Eddie Howe era begins uh, with a positive result this weekend. He says through gritted teeth. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening. And please uh, remember to subscribe and let us know if you disagree with our opinions on Twitter. Because we love to have people disagree with us on Twitter. <laughs>